Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or VEDS, which I also have. This is Katie, your host, and today I have Dawn with us who's going to share her story with VEDS. Hey Dawn. Hi Katie, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you doing this morning? Hanging in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for you to share your story with VEDS, um, and I'm going to go ahead and jump right into some questions here that I have for you. Okay. So, how old are you, and when were you diagnosed with VEDS? I am 62 years old, and proud of it, Um, and I was not diagnosed until I was 51. And how did that come about? How were you diagnosed? Well, I remember I had a my kids at home and my granddaughter was there and I thought I overdid it and my legs were bothering me all through the night and about 4 a.m. I got up to take a bath and I could not sit on my bottom and I had a friend come up who was a nurse um, to look at me and then she rushed me to the hospital. I had a rectal um, hematoma and I was in the hospital for seven weeks in and out of ICU for the first three weeks. They would try to take me out and then I would start bleeds in my chest and and then you know they went back in to clip them off and that's how my journey started and what is a rectal hematoma is that caused by like a spontaneous bleed in the rectum yes okay so at that point have you had you ever heard of eds before or what led to the suspicion well i heard of ehlers-danlos because my brother who was a doctor he's a cardiologist at a prior surgery that i had um they had two doctors come in and just test me physically. They did not do a, a blood test, but they assume I did not have Ehlers-Danlos, but what they were looking at were the, is a Ehlers-Danlos 3 now? Oh yeah, hypermobile ADS. Yeah, yeah, I think they were looking more for that than anything else, but it's just amazing how much, how far we have come. Mm-hmm. You know, just in the past, since I was diagnosed in 2009, I mean, we have climbed mountains compared to what it was originally. Yeah, I feel like the last three years uh, really has been a, a snowball effect into something a lot better. Right. What did that feel like getting diagnosed? I mean, you were in the hospital still when you got your vet's diagnosis? Yes. And you were 51? 51. And I've always been hard-headed. <laughs> so I was just fighting each step. I mean, it was like my girls, I lived for my girls. And I was just like that energizing bunny that I just kept going. And But the seven weeks did me in. I mean... That was a lot to accomplish, and I know when I got out, both daughters were out of the country, and a dear friend brought me home, and 
she had to go to the drugstore and get me like 15 prescriptions. I'll never forget that I think they had a pill for everything. And they were afraid of me staying by myself. And I had two, two Boston Terriers at the time. But I remember my goal each day was to get up and let the dogs out. <laughs> if I keep up with that, I was, I was doing well. Yeah. So you had the diagnosis when you came out of the hospital. Yes. How did yes. you react to that? Well, it was like, in a strange way, I felt validated. It, it was like, okay, I'm not a hypochondriac because my ex-husband swore I was. And if I was, that would be a quick fix, you know, fix. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, I cried, and then, you know, you go back and forth. You're ready to throw in the towel one minute, and then you say, no, I'm not going to let it get to me. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest time for me is since I turned 60. When I turned 60, you know, some one of my doctors said, that's when things start breaking down in, in a lot of people. Well, it's been one thing after another. The last two years have actually felt like six years. And what's, what's gone on since you turned 60? Well, my colon attached to my bladder. And I was up at John Hopkins several times seeing doctors and tests. And in November of 18... I ended up in the hospital here uh, with a bad infection, and they um, said that I needed a colostomy, which I, you know, had planned to go to Johns Hopkins, you know, for it. And so I, I was there in Baltimore 18 days, but I was only in the hospital for about a, a week, I think. I got up and out in about a week and having a colostomy is not fun I feel for anyone that has to do it but in the long run it makes me a whole new human being that I didn't realize I was struggling so hard what kind of symptoms did you have of the of the attachment um UTIs every time I went off of antibiotic I get another one and yeah. A lot of pain in my stomach. It's like food wouldn't adjust, I mean, do me well. And I would have to, you know, watch what I ate and, and then try to keep a diary, which if anybody's tried to keep a diary, it's kind of hard, I think, of uh, what you eat. But it's the best thing. I feel better in the last two years. I'm more active and I'm able to get up and function more like a human being yeah. than that had an infection all that time. Yeah, that has to be hard on your body. Yes. What kind of um, things did you experience before you were diagnosed um, that really pointed towards VEDS? Well, I would get severe bruising um, 
with my girls. I know that I used to live on a leave. And I discovered if I took too much, it just increased the bruising. And it looked like I was in a, a massive pileup. You know, one time my legs were bruised, everything. And it's just, you know, of course I had to give up the NSAIDs and then started on some pain medicine. And under pain management, I've learned to cope. I only take three pills a day, which probably to some people that's a lot, but but I spread them out and I know when to take them and it's it's made a big difference. But I did love my leave. I wish I could still take it. Mm-hmm. So the bruising, um, did you have any other features? Um, double jointed. That's one thing, but I wasn't really flex. You know how a lot of beds are bendable, I guess you can say. But, you know, I wasn't, and I don't think anybody realized what vascular was. But then, you know, in the hospital, you know, they discovered that I had two aneurysms. And they put the, um, I call it clips, but it's like flat paper clips, mm-hmm. um, you know, for bleeds. And, and I pushed through it, and they, you know... I was ready to get out of the hospital. I know that after seven weeks. But just my brother knew exactly what was happening when he came in the hospital um, back in 09. It was April 19th. And he knew exactly what was going on with me. And so basically they, the doctors knew what they were working with. But just having the diagnosis was just clarifying it. Mm-hmm. How did he know? Did you have a family member who had VEDS or did he just suspect yes, it? Yes, my mother had had um, vascular, Ehlers-Danlos. And she, she was in the hospital for over a month in 1966. And I remember the day that we went to go see her. It was after a movie we saw a movie, and I was only eight at the time, and I know I can replay that day just like a movie because I ran from the elevator down to a room, and my dad was like, Dawn, slow down. Don't run. Wait for me. And, of course, I go charging into a room because I'm so excited to see her, and they were doing CPR on her. They were making up her bed. And she she fell, and uh, that was it. And her a um, aorta ripped. Oh no! How and old were you when that happened? Eight years old, and she was only thirty eight. And how did you cope with that loss as an eight year old? Well, I remember getting into the car, and and. I just assumed she fainted. You know, I didn't put anything together until we got to the car. And, you know, my dad told us. And and when we got home, there was a house full of people. Um, but I remember I went 
to the washer and dryer and I was going to do laundry and because I knew it had to be done and so one of our neighbors who the husband and wife were lawyers and they had this one bedroom all fish tanks and they took me over there and I just sat in the middle of the room looking at the fish hmm. you know it's just but that day it's just um and she died right before Thanksgiving. She died on November 26th. I realized once my girls pointed out to me, I was always in a bad mood at Thanksgiving. And they says, Mom, why don't you just enjoy it? And I had to take a step back. You know, kids will tell you the way they see it. And I had to kind of regroup and watch myself saying, you know, maybe I am you know I still have that cloud over me but I worked on it and made it remembrance and it's something and I think that's why Jody's in our group her death hit me so very hard because I felt such a pain in my stomach for her kids because I I just know how they feel mm -hmm. and you know her you know her husband and it's just a pit in your stomach that you learn how to deal with, but you never get rid of it. Yeah. How do you deal with loss in the community? I know that it's so frequent in our group. And, you know, as someone who is older, does that hit you differently? or? Well, I think it does. There for a while I felt guilty about being here. You know, why am I here and they're taken so early? But that's a question that we all have with beds or without. But I, you know, I'm grateful to be here. I lay awake at night sometimes thinking, okay, I'm here today, but I could be gone tomorrow. But I, I pray about it and I just try to keep going I think everybody with beds probably go through do I have everything in order that I need to have in order or you know and I feel like if I complete that list I might jinx myself <laughs> I don't know it's just like you know before I have surgery I make sure everybody knows what to do but I remember at Johns Hopkins, they put me in ICU for the first night. By nightfall, I was in my own room because I was up walking around. Is that for your colostomy? Yeah. Wow. So, but the bed that got me out was amazing. I don't know if y'all have ever experienced a bed that turns into a chair to, to boost your butt out of the bed. Uh, <laughs> But but that was like, oh, I can get out without killing myself. Mm -hmm. um, so, But, you know, I've always been that patient that of doctors that like, oh, she's going through a bad divorce. You know, she's, you know, needs this, needs that. But it's just I've always left them scratching their head going, you know, what's wrong with this woman <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a way to put it so how did you 
like I, I do want to circle back around to that because I think that gets to this question of, you know, for so many years, I know that people thought that you were a hypochondriac. Does that include the doctors too? Well, well, my main internal guy, he's, he's passed on. He just kept saying, well, you know, you're going through a bad divorce and stress will make you, you know, think you're sick and stuff. And he retired, but he learned that I was diagnosed with that through some um, friends that we both had. And he says, well, that makes all the sense in the world. You know, he said, well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've had doctors introduce me to medical students that are in shadowing the doctor and say, this lady is way past her expiration date. Mm. And, you know, it, it makes you think. I just say, well, nobody's really put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's got to feel really odd. It does. But then I love this doctor. He has just been great. And he listens and he'll pick up the phone and call John Hopkins if he needs to, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I said, I've never had anybody put it that way. I like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I want to I wanna come back to something else I heard, too. So the doctor that was telling you that you're going through a divorce, that stress makes you feel like you might be sick, did, did you know about your mother's diagnosis of VEDS, or did she know? Like, did anybody have that medical history? No. Well, I mean, they knew that my mother had a vascular problem. That was basically what it was known as. And no, I didn't. I know I had my brother just worry about it. I felt like I didn't need it since I didn't have it, if that makes sense. It's just like, oh. Well, that's something that my mom had. I don't have to worry about that. Hmm. But wait, I was wrong. That that makes sense. So your brother, it sounds like your brother kind of put it all together. Yes, he did. He is the best brother in the world. And luckily, always, I'm a firm believer that God works in mysterious ways. And he had a cardiologist from Baptist Hospital in Nashville come to Roanoke and my brother walked in talking to him on the phone and they were putting a team of doctors together. Wow. And I'll never forget I went into the radiologist there at the hospital that does the injections and it got word that I was there, and the doctor who actually saved my life, who put all the clips in me, he comes up. They had already had me down on the table. Well, he gets on the floor and talks to me because my my face is down in this hole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're still here. What? <laughs> what? It's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so so the remarks that I have had through the years you just have to take it with a grain of salt and mm -hmm. just 
just laugh. I mean, laughter is good for the soul. Mm -hmm. It is. It, it is. It, but a good pity party is okay, too. You know? Everybody has pity parties. And if you use them correctly and not let them take you over, you know, that's okay. Yeah, I think sometimes it really helps to just give yourself the time to grieve if you're having one of those days, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's hard because I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, too. And what I just laugh about, because I can't tell you, the difference between that and having beds. I mean, how do you know what's causing what? Yeah. Pain. I don't think a doctor can tell you. Right. And it's, it's hard too, because I think some people, I'm sure some people have both like you do. And then there's some people who are misdiagnosed first with fibromyalgia before they ever get to their diagnosis of VEDS or a right. different type of Ehlers-Danlos. And then was the fibromyalgia a misdiagnosis at that point? You right. Know? Yeah. So I think I really beat myself up when I have to go for my yearly because I go in there and think well they're going to find something and they're going to have to fix it and then it's okay you know after you leave but it's such an emotional roller coaster when you have to go through the MRA I think maybe it's just my age um, I know the first time that I had it I was by myself because I went up to uh, Baltimore that was before I started dating the wonderful man in my life, um, but the first time that they they locked me down in that chest thing and then the head thing, I felt like I was going to that hospital from the hot, uh, from the movie Jack Nicholas. I was just like, holy smoke! I've never been through this before. And what does that feel like? Um, that emotional experience of getting it's your... hard. It it wipes you out it's just like I would go back to the room and just take a long nap mm -hmm. and then it's just you know you always wonder gosh what are they going to find and and what if you blow a gasket you know that's what and I it's just always wonder what if mm -hmm. and you know but it's the cards that I was dealt. That's the way that I see things. And and I'm going through the motions. And if, if I was an artist, I would draw a bunch of worn out angels. Hmm. You know, because I feel, you know, whoever has me gets worn out. I mean, because, because I have a lot to keep up with. I mean, it's just... It's amazing how life throws you so many lemons, and then what do you do? Do you throw them away or, or make lemonade out of them? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a very appropriate <laughs> analogy uh, for, for vets. Yeah. For dealing with it. Yeah. I also really like the imagery of the worn out angels, I think. There's probably some yes. artists listening to this that might do that. Yes. So I want to ask too, I know you mentioned a couple times that your daughters. So how many kids do you have and how old are they, if it's okay to share? 
Oh, yeah. I have three daughters. They're all in their 30s right now. Smallest one, she has a my oldest granddaughter who's 14. And she actually got tested for beds and she did not have it, which mm-hmm. I figure she won't. My middle daughter, she she is 34 and she's pregnant with her second baby and a girl, another girl. That's all we can have in this family, I think. <laughs> and, um, she has not been tested due to the fact that my dear ex-husband um, talked her out of it and saying, well, your mother didn't have any problems. I don't think you will. And I know enough about medicine to really scare the crap out of me. And I've just had to learn to put it in God's hands to help me through it. Mm-hmm. Because I could think and overthink and and turn into a train wreck. But she's very healthy you know, she takes care of herself, and um, so hopefully things will be okay. Um, and then my youngest daughter, she is finishing up her fellowship in critical care, and she decided critical care um, when I was in the hospital, mm-hmm. I think. That kind of persuaded her. And she has not been tested, but she does know, like, she had an ovarian cyst rupture. And the first thing she told the doctor in the ER that I had the vascular EDS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she knows what to look for. And did all of those pregnancies go okay for you? Yeah, well, pretty much. I had three C sections, mm. and and um, but they did go pretty well. It's um, surprisingly, I mean, I always ended up with something odd going on. Like my oldest one, I started throwing up and couldn't quit, and then. You know, they put me in the hospital, and my water broke, and then that. And then my middle one, I actually clean the what I used to do and what I can do now are two different stories. But <laughs> um, I actually cleaned the house, all the closets but one, and washed and waxed the car. And then the next morning, I, I had her. Ah. So, so I think back go, gosh, how did you do that? It takes me, it would take me a year to do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember I asked my very first pain doctor that I had for a handicap sticker. And she says, Dawn, I know that you want one, but if you feel like you need one, you need to stay home and recharge your batteries. And she said, second of all, the more you walk, the better off you're going to be. So I find myself doing that. I'll park and just take my time walking. And it's true, the more I move, the better. But some days it's really challenging. Yeah, I experience, I don't know if it's the same or just, um, you know, similar, but along a different path. But I do experience this very similar feeling where if I... If I exercise daily, if I walk all the time, like I, I'm a very active person, 
I feel really good. But if a few days I don't exercise, the fatigue starts really getting to me. And then I'm in this like feedback loop of fatigue and pain. And then I don't want to walk. And then I just get more and more tired and worn down. And it's like this spiral. And then if you don't sleep well, that's another thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And tell you what, my sleep has been really off, but it's getting better. I kind of change, you know, how I end my day. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't realize how much you depend on your phone, but I put my phone up and not look at it for the last hour or two that I'm up. I'll be glad to be able to get out and just go look. I mean, I don't have that much money to shop with, but just to go out and look and enjoy seeing people, I guess, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's certainly another thing that takes the energy out of you is this this year of being home and or staying away from people, and it's, it's exhausting. It is. It is. And I'll be glad when, because I haven't seen my daughter's in a year and and I'm just so ready just to I told my daughter who's a doctor that she's going to open up her blinds one day and I'm going to be sitting there (laughs) sitting outside her window waving to her she said don't do that you'll scare me (laughs) (laughs) that would that would really scare scare me too just like opening my window and there's somebody standing there. I feel like that's like my worst nightmare. I know. (laughs) So, you know, but they don't want to expose me, which I appreciate, but it's been hard. Yeah. That's really responsible of them. Yes. Sure. Um, I do want to ask, do you know what kind of mutation you have? Yes. I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) Can you name one? No, I mean, <laughs> so I, I cannot, but it's the muta. It's the good one, I think, or the null mutation. Yes, yeah, that's it. The good one. <laughs> that is funny. I'm sorry. It cracks me up. Like I feel like any Vez mutation sucks. Not good. But I think if you had to have one, I mean, that's a good one to have, right? Because that's, I think that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. Yeah. I think it's associated with like a, a delay in onset typically of the more life threatening right. situations. Well, I'm glad that you're set up with Dee's. He's a really great guy. Yes. And I really appreciate you sharing your story too. Is there anything that you would like, is there any advice that you would give somebody who's just diagnosed with this? Oh, just take a deep breath and take it step by step. Even if you do have it or spouse or children have it, you just have to take it one step at a time. There's not any dumb questions. Any question is important. And that's one thing I love about this group is because you can throw stuff out there and somebody's 
usually has to deal with it, you know, has dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And um, we are all here for each other. So don't hesitate to to talk to one of us. And it's hard. When you first get diagnosed, you're just like a world spin, especially being young. I mean, I think it'd be harder young than old. I guess I was just... I was relieved in a way not to have it, but I, re I was relieved that there was something wrong with me. That it wasn't all in my head. And that you know, I did have a reason to be tired or, you know, sleep for the, those 10, 12 hours stretches. Mm -hmm. So, um, the first time my brother, I went to his beach house after I was diagnosed, I think it was the second year, and it was around 10, 1030, everybody was getting ready to go to the beach at 7. I was still in bed sleeping, and I wake up to my brother checking my pulse. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm not dead. He said, <laughs> and I scared him. He said, I was just making sure I didn't want to leave you. <laughs> so, so, you know, everybody reacts different. But, I mean, this community that we have going on, I think we can accomplish anything with each other. I really love that, the idea that we can accomplish anything together. Yeah, because, I mean, I remember my best friend went to a bookstore, Barnes & Noble, back in 2009 to get me a book on Ella Stanlos. And because that was her way of helping, you know. And the only book she could find was a reference book. But, of course, now we have a stack of them, yeah. you know, and it's just, um, yeah, we got to do this thing together because nobody else knows what we go through. And we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. And having you, Katie, is wonderful. You have accomplished so much, and I'm so very proud of you. Thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate that. Well, I mean it from my heart. <laughs> well, it was so great to talk to you today. Yeah, it was great talking to you too. And um, thank you everybody for listening. This was Dawn sharing her story with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or VEDS. New stories come out on the last Sunday of every month. And if you haven't already subscribed for this podcast, go ahead and hit your subscribe button and that will let you know when we have new episodes. I hope you are having a great start to your 2021 and we'll see you soon.